Welcome to the Skeptic Wire. The Skeptic Wire Special Tam 9 Edition. No, 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 no. I'm going to let Dave do it. I was just... <laughs> Hello! Hello. <laughs> nice! Hello? Hello? <laughs> <laughs> it's you, July 20th! You broke me, Gary! 2011! It is, it You're is. You're listening to The Skeptic Wire! Skeptic... Recording from the Go Recording Studios in San Antonio, Texas. This is where we are. I'm David Harcourt. You are. Carried by, joined by Gary Lawn. I am. Greg Perrine is back. Norway! And so Yay! is my duck. Yeah, Donna cannot join us today. So, again, the guys. So Taking over the podcast. The Poodcast. Um, Gary. Hey! I understand there were some Mormons in this studio today. You know, it's it tis the season. The UPS guys get their shorts, and the Mormons go door-to-door, knocking door-to-door. And the nice guys, you know. Were they in shorts? They were not. I felt pretty bad for them, because it was 100 degrees or something. At least year. short shirts, because oh, they're yeah, allowed well, to they, wear they, the short shirts. Yeah, they have the white, the white shirts you know, the with the ties. Ones. Yeah, yeah they, they had it tied up, you know, like like the girls like Daisy do. Duke Daisy and, Dukes. Daisy yeah, Dukes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they were Daisy Duke Mormons. That's the, the, fourth, the fourth sect, which isn't hey. talked about much. I, I invited them into my house and gave them some water because I know it's pretty darn hot. I right. have nothing against them. Um, they mean well. They do, and yeah, I mean they're they're really just kids. Yeah, literally. Well, certainly from my advanced age. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> so yeah, I, I invited them in and gave them water and said, you know, we don't really need to talk about religion because uh, we don't need to. Uh, because I, you're not going to sway me to your side uh, of Mormonism, and so did they hold up literature and say, "But if you just read it, you would believe"? They or? They, they asked me if they, I wouldn't mind praying and talking with them, and I said, "No, thank you." <laughs> okay. Uh, and I explained my position that uh, the religion has not made their case, and so, uh, and I'm probably more a little bit more versed than they are <laughs> in, in multiple, multiple religions, religions yeah. and where they come from, not just what their books say. Uh, so I said, but thank you for your time. Enjoy your water. I'm just laughing because I've been listening to that Book of Mormon musical. And <laughs> if you've heard that one song, the, the first song, <laughs> the hello, where they come to the door. Oh, okay. It's just hilarious. <laughs> Those are your kids. It's just really funny. And, and it, it, when the people who kind of turn them away, they say, Okay, that's fine. Have a good time in hell. <laughs> <laughs> right. Which is, I totally expect. So no worries. What I find is interesting is apparently a pattern is repeating from when I used to live in Chicago. In Chicago, the northern area of Chicago, that's where the Mormons rang the doorbells. The southern area of Chicago was just the Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh. And you've got Mormons. The only people I get are the Witnesses. No, I get both. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I'm not... Well, you're not, you're not in an enclosed... Uh, area either no that was one nice thing about being in in a in a gated community is you mean an apartment building complex or no no, i got them in the apartment when i first moved back but i used to have a house in a gated community and we didn't get the the door knockers 
Well, you told me about how you, the whole conversation. I think you handled it very well and very. Yeah, I handled that's, it. That's the best way to do I, it. I, I was using yeah. the "don't be a dick" thing. Yeah. <laughs> While still putting the seat of doubt. I have to admit, last time a Mormon came to my tour, she pretty much ran off my yard. She? <laughs> yeah. You it have such a Mormon. way with women, was... David. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. It wasn't a Mormon. It was a. It was a. Um, a witness. 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 Huh. Yeah, right. I've got no problem with Mormons. The witnesses, they come around and they try to scare you like the, the, the world is ending. Yeah. Yeah, the last one I got was all and about witchcraft. And about all the hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes and don't, don't you need to get good with God. It's like, come on. You know, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> if you actually use that one, that'd be fantastic. <laughs> actually, there were some, um, not to switch too much onto the next topic, but there was some talk at TAM uh, 9 this year. TAM. Yes. TAM? The Amazing Meeting 9, uh, mm. which the theme this year was uh, TAM 9 from Outer Space, because it's like the Plan movie. Yeah. Uh, there was some uh, some people going back and forth about how next year, since TAM is going to be in 2012, should be something along the lines of, TAM 10, it's not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, like tell it. us about Tam. Yes, I've been chomping this. at the bit to tell you guys about Tam. Um, as I, I, you know, I, I had this really no, cool experience. What, what, <laughs> no, it's, no, you really got to no, get it. No, please, no. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I was chomping at the bit, so I, I gave you guys and the listeners, hopefully, um, a little bit of a teaser of kind of my run through of what Tam was like, my, the big highlights, and what I did. Um, Overall, it, as I said on the blog, it was it was awesome. It was a fun time, great speakers, uh, wonderful people, uh, lots of fun socialness. How are uh, the elevators? <laughs> How are the bars? You know, okay. we're gonna go with you next, time. <laughs> next time we're going to go with you and get you drunk. No, I don't. It's not going to work, gonna but good try. <laughs> no worries. They have to gamble yeah. or drink to go to nobody, Vegas. Nobody cared that I didn't drink. That it's not that important. Yeah. Even though everybody is socializing. Yeah. George Robb doesn't drink. There you go. So. <laughs> Phil Plate drinks like a fish. Anyway, I'll get back to the. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get back to the elevator comment a little later. All right. Um, I I left Tuesday nice and early. Um, I'm like I said in the blog post that I'm eventually going to write something like the average Joe's guide to Tam or and skeptical conferences. And one of the things will be arrive early, leave late, leave late, because. But, but by by next year, you're not going to be an average Joe, because <laughs> we're going to have people singing our theme song. We're going to be on a panel. Yeah, we're going to be asked to do the the po- the live podcast at Tam, not Skeptics Guide. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> we are not going to be anywhere we near just them. We need to take about eighty thousand of their listeners. Yeah, we we can't even challenge them to a mud wrestling competition. Well, we can't really challenge you. He's experienced either, and yet we did. Yes. <laughs> That's it's more obtainable goal. Baby steps. Anyway, <laughs> so I got there on Tuesday. There were already people there. Um, the little ceramic necklaces that you may see a lot of skeptics wear uh, by yeah, Surly Amy. Surly Amy, yeah. Um, you basically find people who are wearing these or generally geeky t-shirts like the Teach the Convert Controversy funny t-shirts or last year's Tam t-shirt. You just look for those, and that's the people who you can have fun with. And another tip for Tam is just walk up to people who are in Tam, and they will be friendly. They will talk to you. 
don't feel embarrassed about anything and just talk to people because everybody wants to talk. And that's just generally good advice. Yeah. So even on Tuesday night, I really didn't know anybody there, and, you know, it was nice. But um, I didn't really get much sleep the night before I left on the airplane, and I get bumped from my first flight. Oh. So I was sitting around the airport for 10 hours. Oh, man. <laughs> and, what airport? This uh, airport? San Antonio Airport, and I got sick. Oh. So I woke up Wednesday morning, like, with scratchy throat and the whole thing. I was like, oh, crud. So, tip- no, so- <laughs> I hope everybody that comes to TAM was inoculated. Yeah. <laughs> tip number three, don't get sick before you go yeah, to so TAM. You get sick on yeah. But I was able to sleep in at least a bit on Wednesday because there's no scheduled activities. Uh, yeah, went to the buffet, did the buffet thing at the, at the casino, the South Point Casino, which are fairly good hosts. They've been... Hosted TAM for at least three south years, point. I think it is. Where is that? I'm trying to it's been way biggest. south of the Strip, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of on its own, but it's big enough to hold all the people and a BMX con- convention. And Wait, the bikes. Yeah, the bike BMXs. There was also a that. like a Taekwondo championship. So you you heard like the karate key, the kid like you're well, the best around. No one is gonna gonna keep you down. He just kept that running around in your head well, the I heard entire Chuck time. Norris was there. What, is he, what was he there for? I think it was at the yeah, end of this kickboxing tournament. He was there for like a celebratory dinner. Wow. And, and I think it was at Saturday night. Um, at the end of Dawkins' speech, they, they usually kind of cut off the question and answers fairly quickly just to keep on time. But they kept asking, answering, ask, getting people to ask questions. And at, at one point, George Robb interrupted. Just to let you all guys know, apparently there's a dinner with Chuck Norris across the way from where we're all sitting, and we're just going to keep you all in here for a while so we don't have any sort of kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> because, well, because he yeah. is a very skeptical-minded guy. Ske- uh, he's skeptical uh, of skeptics. Right. <laughs> yeah. But I think we could have out. <laughs> we had over sixteen hundred. We had over sixteen hundred people there, and I'm sure plus. Probably sixteen to seventeen hundred, including all the JREF type people and staff. So you're saying you could, we could have, pile him? We could have over- overpowered him, I think, just by sheer numbers. Tired of I don't know. Yeah. I saw him in that movie where he kicked yeah. some butt. Oh wait, he got killed by Bruce Lee, didn't he? <laughs> Never mind. So yeah, I mean, there was lots of other people in this casino, um, wow. and I mean, it, nothing. It, the Chuck Norris thing was funny, but not quite as ironic as last year on. Thursday, I think it was, there was a priest convention in one of the yeah. conference rooms. Awesome. Uh, just one day, and there the, the door into that conference room right next to that door was the Evolve Fish um, <laughs> merchandising table with the Darwin fishes and the, you uh. know, keep religion separate from the state kind of stuff. So, um, But yeah, um, so Wednesday I slept in and saw these other all these other people coming around the casino uh, which was pretty neat, um, and met up with a whole bunch of Tammers who I had met before briefly or met new friends. That's what I said about just walking up to people and say, hey, you got a table at dinner? You know, Can I eat with you? Yeah, sure, and we all chat, whatever. So you didn't know any anybody? I mean, you didn't have no. any friends, like old friends that you knew that were going No, to? no, I knew some people from Chicago when I used to live there, plus people I met at last year's TAM. But there were people I met at last year's TAM who I just met briefly. Right. Um, and then spent a lot of time with. I met one person at the airport heading to TAM on the shuttle last oh, okay. year. This year, we ended. I ended up buying both of us and a friend of hers tickets to go Penn & Teller together so we could all sit together on faith that I knew them 
from last year. So, you know, met up with those people and, like I said, went to Penn and Teller to see their show on Wednesday night. Um, it was really cool. They did, um, you know, from what I know, I know a bunch of some of their tricks by reputation, right. like the uh, the burning of the flag constitution bit that they did on West Wing, um, which was a great plot point on that. Um, they did a joke book mentalist trick. Um, they did this trick where they had the guy take out his cell phone and they basically took it away from him surreptitiously and through the point of the trick it showed up in a fish um wow. and they cut open yeah. The fish. yeah cut up the fish and there's the cell phone in yeah. in a plastic bag but there's the, the cell phone and of course they ended the night with their very very well known especially to donna who helped them with the trick a few years ago the bullet gun. catch yeah. trick where they both shoot at each other with revolvers not just your standard old kind of flintlock things that a lot of magicians use Actual actual uh, revolvers things, yeah. with laser sights pointed at each other, and they had the the bulletproof vests and the helmet and the uh, goggles for the, all the accoutrement. Yeah, um, it's a really cool trick. Yeah, I think I know how they do it. <laughs> yeah, I I just don't know. It's pretty. It's just well done. Yeah, it's very well done, and they did everything Soulful. really well. Yeah. Um, very slick show. Um, and and after the show, they stay out there in the hallway to say hello to everybody. I mean. They got to move through pretty quickly. Like, hi, hi, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Picture, picture. Okay, yeah. done. But they stay there. Mm-hmm. They don't stay for the first twenty people and then leave. I got a you know picture with Teller and I got a picture with uh, Penn, and I got to tell Penn the absolute truth, which was his short-lived radio show slash podcast is what got me involved in the skeptical and atheist movement in the first place. Oh, cool. And it's like, oh, boss, that's really great to hear. I appreciate that. He calls everybody boss. Yeah. Rather than. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Oh, they, they probably stole it from his wallet. <laughs> as well as a $20 bill. No. <laughs> so the panels? Yeah. I mean, is that yeah. yeah, so I'm, um, I'll get into... Um, once TAM actually begins, technically on Thursday, because Thursday is basically workshops, which is... Think of panel discussions, but with half the audience, because they run two workshops at the same time. Right. Um, So this year there was um, Explaining UFO Workshop was done at the same time as Defending Evolution Workshop. I I went to the Defending Evolution Workshop, and Mm -hmm. Investigating Monster Mysteries was against uh, recurring themes in medical mythology. I went to the medical one, because I wanted to see Stephen Novella speak. Um, So... Um, those were a lot of fun. Um, and there's, there's less there's less things that you can find about the medical myths in about Bigfoot. Well, yeah, but um, what they they weren't going to go into each and every specific metal, medical myth because well, I, I there's a that, lot out there. But yeah, that's what I'm saying is there's lots of podcasts dedicated to yeah. uh, cryptozoology. Right. Right. But not so much medical stuff. Medical stuff. Yeah. So that would be a, a newer mm-hmm. topic. But what what they did do is each of the speakers went through some of the major types of medical mythology that just, even though one modality may be beat down like phrenology, those kind of concepts just keep popping up over and over again. Like uh, Steve Novella talked about about the concept of homunculus-based medicine, where you have this concept of one part of the body or your skin or whatever has a body map for every other part of your body 
like right. Korean hand massage or, oh, yeah. uh, or reflexology, reflexology acupuncture uh, acupuncture yeah. iridology which is mapping the iris mm-hmm. I had never heard of that one before so and these huh. things just keep popping up because there's a new body part you know yeah. ear acupuncture right just the ear or stuff like that so that was fascinating um, so, uh, they talked about energy healing which is its own category toxins which is its own category where you got everything from Sweat lodges to foot baths to foot pads and all, and all that. Um, uh, let's see. Man, foot, those foot pads that they were selling everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that is all mucky. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Turns out it's not what it says it's it not is. Quite. <laughs> Strangely. Yeah. And and one of the speakers in that panel was one of your favorites. I know David uh, Mark Chrislip, who talked about um, appropriately enough um, germ theory denial. So the idea that. You know, like Hulda Clark and the liver fluke causes all the diseases, uh-huh. HIV desi- deniers, and people boosting the immune system. So it's really kind of giving you a general primer, which is which is good to reinforce on, um, you know, what what the big issues are with medical mythology and kind of how to argue as a whole that concept. Cool. So they, I would love to hear that. Yeah. So they taped. How do we get to? I, I think by these. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna get to the end, but you know, it's it's fine to ask that now, David. <laughs> <laughs> but last, I found out that last year's uh, a lot of the videos from last year, plus including you know Phil Plate's famous "Don't Be a Dick" speech, are, apparently are available on the website Vimeo v i m e o dot com. Well, don't watch on it the, on the smartphone. On the web page, I think I don't, I don't know. But apparently there's a lot of those talks available from last year, and there's already been several tweets that I've seen saying that almost everything will be available from this year on the web somewhere. Yeah, okay. I, don't, I don't know specifics, but I will, I will announce that. But I believe even in the workshops there were video cameras taping the whole thing. Yeah, you can Google TAM9 and... They'll yeah. probably something on their website eventually once they get it up. Yeah, I mean, just check the JREF blog, their forums. They'll they'll have a lot of that kind of stuff. So moving on. Yeah. Um, so um, let's see. Then you know, lunch in the middle of the day, where you just walk up to people and say, "Hey, you know, there's no planned lunch on th- on Thursday, unfortunately, even though there are actual events. So you've just kind of find the least busy restaurant in the casino and kind of hope. <laughs> <laughs> Not as bad as it was on Sunday, but I'll get to that one. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, the, in the afternoon, um, the, the two workshops that I went to that I felt were expre- expressly more interesting to me were the Grassroots Campaign Workshop. Oh, that'd be, yeah. Where they talked a lot about how to make sure you kind of plan ahead with your, wor- your, your campaign of what you want to do. You know, set up goals and objectives. Set up your message. Plan, you know, know who your audience is, and then plan specific tactics. Now, do they do they have like handouts and stuff that have all these bullet points? Or? I think I right. yes, and, like yeah. ideas and that I got a book resources. booklet from. Okay, cool. so that the other ones didn't have so many handouts, but this one definitely did, and oh. it was it looks like it should be a good resource. Because we'd like to outreach to the yeah. community, and um, if we want to cut this bit out, we can, which is why I put a bit of a silence in there. Every time they were talking about grassroots campaign, what to do and what not to do, 
I kept thinking back to David's experience at the First Amendment rally mm. or the Day of Prayer rally several weeks weeks ago. Is that about, what not to do? Yeah. The idea <laughs> that they were just being the, – the people from the group, which is why I, we, we can cut this out if we want to. Yeah. The people from the group – we're just being angry and belligerent. Weren't worrying about. Oh, did wh- you know what I did? No, no, <laughs> no. The f- they weren't. They weren't worrying about who their audience was. They weren't trying to have a specific message or specific tactic. They didn't have any idea, like plan of what their what they were saying right. to the press, what it would actually do, and how they would follow up. It's on very it. much, very much an individual. This is what I think. Yeah. But, but I pretend to represent a whole bunch. Exactly. Of Where David was being, you know. He had one message that he was trying to get across, and that's all he wanted to say. He didn't want to ruffle feathers, but he he wanted to be the the friendly atheist. Well, that's yeah. why I thought you know yeah. before the next one, we should all get our somehow get these meetings people together and say this is the message. Yeah, and that's basically you know, what well, they're that's always been the problem with with the communities, both the skeptic and the atheist community, is it's hurting cats because the whole yeah. point is oh, we're all individuals in this together. Yeah. but yeah it was the idea of you gotta plan your campaign even if it's simple basic stuff like saying what's your primary objective and what's a few secondary things and and the one thing they drummed at which i just had to laugh at is the don't ever say that your main objective is to quote unquote raise awareness because you can't measure that it's not something you can actually you know, Are you aware? Say, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. It, it doesn't get you anywhere to just say you're like going to raise awareness. And, like the shaving your pubes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Awkward silence, not by me. <laughs> Yay! Wow, okay. I get what no, you mean. The yeah, pink yeah, ribbons yeah, yeah. for breast cancer. Yeah, and, I think we talked and, about yeah. last week that yeah. you weren't here. And did we not, did we, no, the, the, the shaming of your pubes to raise awareness for cervical cancer. No, that was, that, that that was, was two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Oh, okay. I, was, I was here for and the... It all runs together. I was it. here for the shaving of the pubes. <laughs> <laughs> I bet Donna is so glad she's not here right now. Um, but, yeah, the, the shavings of the pube thing was not a good raising of awareness where... The pink ribbons is you're wearing something on your lapel every day, and it's a fundraising thing as well. So it was a good, that's kind of good, but it wasn't just to raise. <laughs> the pink ribbon is not just about raising awareness. It's yeah. about fundraising. It's about making breast cancer not be a hidden thing anymore. Is really what it started with, and now it's just an icon. And the final <laughs> um, workshop that I went to. At the end of the day, which I wanted to go to because we started a podcast for three or four months ago, yes, was the Advancing Skeptic- Skepticism Online website uh, workshop. Ah. We had Brian Dunning from Skeptoid, Tim Farley from What's the Harm. Um, Wait, let me see if I can do it. This is Brian Dunning from Skeptoid. You're listening to <laughs> Skeptoid.com. Yes. I have the voice for radio. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's got a great voice he for doesn't. it. He um, <laughs> You should always talk about that. Right? And, and, and I've talked to him at both TAMs. He's a nice, friendly guy. And that's, you know, the idea of going up to people at the bar or at dinner and saying, hey, can I sit with you and chat? That applies to almost everybody who's at TAM, including the presentators. Because they're... <laughs> Presenters. <laughs> All right, we've gone through this before. I have issues with pronouncing words in right, certain right. ways. Right. Like... Okay. That thing that's up on the wall is pronounced the same thing as you pour water out of a pitcher. 
Right. <laughs> it's, I do it wrong, and I realize that, right. but... It's still funny. <laughs> I still want to say... But please. It, it, every time I hear someone say presentator, I think of that joke about the, the taters. I know, <laughs> oh, this guy's good, because, uh, you, you know, uh, you, eventually you get to the dictator. You know, no one liked him, right? I see. <laughs> I don't know that joke. I'm yes. Sorry. I'll, I'll try to remember. Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, applicable to us uh, <laughs> about the communicating skepticism online is get your facts straight. We oh, need to shit. work on that. <laughs> um, show your passion. I think we're pretty good at. We we enjoy our podcast. Um, yes, we do. Um, be consistent. I think we're fairly consistent. We're producing everything once a week. Once and. A week. We get it out on time and and all that. Um, okay, so next yeah. time you read, uh, leave in iTunes, you need to rate us on these categories. Yes. Um, <laughs> Consistency. Yeah, but one apps, thing they mentioned, which like we're kind of not good at, but I don't mind, is specialize. We're not specialized on any one thing, and that's okay. Because we're, we're a fun pep skeptics in the pub kind of... Hey, let's just chat about this and see if anybody else enjoys it. Kind of podcast. Yeah. We we do uh, we do talk about Texas issues more than anybody. Yeah, that's kind yeah. of. Well, we we have we the do. benefit of some of the other Texas podcasts, that being the nonprofits and the and atheist experience. In that, we're not a uh, purely non- original religion podcast. Right, yeah. but but also we're uh, we're not a nonprofit. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we're not profitable to be sure, but we. <laughs> like to be. We can talk shit about whoever we want. Right. So we can go into politics, whereas atheists and nonprofits, yeah. they're not. They can't because they're they're the five hundred one c. Yeah. So um, the last thing I'll talk about on that um, um, workshop that I think we'll kind of get a chuckle out of is uh, pretty much the message from Brian Dunning and Tim Farley was: um, if you're thinking of starting a blog or a podcast, don't. That was the the Atlantic <laughs> skeptics in the pub had. A video uh, podcast, which I can't download. That keeps on right. timing out. Why won't no, you let me listen to it, it? it? It wasn't that. It was there's so there's, there's so the, many of them. Yeah, yeah, Tim Farley mentioned that there are over 700 blogs just mentioning skeptic skeptic in them. There are over 70 yeah, podcasts. Yeah, but Mike Adams mentioned skeptics in his. And there are over <laughs> there somewhere in the neighborhood of 200 YouTube video channels. How many per, podcasts? Over 70, just skeptic. Podcasts, which okay. we are probably one of them now. That's okay. And you know, just because if if it's Too a late. it's a lot to bite Too off. Late. That that's what Brian Dunning was saying. That a podcast is a lot to bite off. You it, if you're going to do it, you got to do it. Right. And and I actually kind of agree with them because having listened to some other podcasts, um, I listened to the Nerdist podcast, and the guy on the Nerdist talks almost all the time about if you're a comedian. Something in you have that genetic defect that says I'm going to go up on stage and try to make people laugh, and people if people boo at me, I'm still going to go up the next night. Yeah. <laughs> so we, ha- I think we are all genetic defectives in saying that we have this gene that says we want to talk into a microphone and try to make each other laugh, and we still want to do it even if we have a dozen listeners. Yeah. Hopefully we, we have met many dozen listeners eventually. But. Well, the bandwidth speaks for itself. Unfortunately, yeah. no one's speaking back, <laughs> except for the two yeah. reviews. Uh, thank yeah. you, review, review people on iTunes. Yeah, but we'll get more reviews, and hopefully some more people will tune in who I met at TAM. Hi! Hello, TAM um, people! 
And, um, you know, they'll let us know what they think. They're talking already because they all lived it. Oh, yeah. But. (laughs) And this is just the first day. Okay, so everybody uh, skip to. Workshops uh, were fun. (laughs) Thursday Night's Entertainment, I'll just go into very briefly, which was Rebecca Watson's Variety and Comedy Hour, which is basically kind of like a quiz show thing where she was asking Richard Wiseman, Phil Plate. um, Oh, shoot, what's her name? Anyway. Um, a bunch of skeptic people on the on the panel, skeptical questions. No, skeptical people. Yes, and you know it was just kind of snarky responses. Richard Wiseman had just gotten off a plane, so the only answer he would give to questions was 1978, <laughs> no matter what the question was about. But if the panelists wow. didn't give the question right, the audience got to um, tweet in the answer, and whoever got the tweet first got a button from Skeptic. <laughs> so. Um, nice. I think I like that's it. an actually better idea next year for the question and answer period mm. of the p- actual speakers and panels. People just tweet in their questions, and then George Robb can they just can read them, them off. I like it. But I think it was actually the best entertainment, official entertainment of the whole weekend. Yeah, right on. Because it was spontaneous and fun and, and all that kind of thing. Yeah. So that's day one. <laughs> okay. okay, day one also ends like every other day at, at TAM with everybody hanging out and drinking at the Del Mar which is the main bar that people go to. I've been there, I believe. The Del Mar at the South Point? Yes. Oh, okay. Cool. A Um, long time ago. Yes. And so to continue on with my long review of Tam. All right. George Robb was the MC for the entire weekend. He did a really good job. Uh, He started off the morning on Friday after the Skeptics Guy did a live recording of their podcast, which you can just go listen to. Um, Which will be up on Saturday. Probably, yeah. not before. Um, he, he sang a song kind of that started out with a kind of um, lyrical tune where he was talking about there are so many novellas, too many novellas, and he had this slideshow going with all the novellas and different pictures of them in the background, and then he kind of did a Pirates of Penzance parody listing all the various speakers you know, we have James Randi, blah 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 and Tonkins and blah 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 blah, 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 blah. anyway, and they, at the end was kind of a coda basically instructing the audience that when you come up for a question to Make sure your question's a question, <laughs> because a lot of people will start their question with, in my opinion, right. or they'll give a they'll speech. proselytizing. Or... So, yeah. yeah. But it, he did a... Uh, I'll review his entire experience of the weekend, which he was a really good MC, and he should probably do it for the next 20 years. Right. And, and he, he'll probably have it on his podcast, too. Yeah, he, he did post some of that, um, that video to his Facebook feed. Huh. Um, there's a little bit in there that I haven't talked about that's kind of funny, but um, so go check that out if you can find him. So, lots of speakers. Uh, Michael Shermer talked a bit about his Colbert experience, and he talked about his book, The Believing Brain. Fascinating stuff about the you know the kind of stuff we all kind of know about patternicity, you know, uh, political beliefs and conspiracy theories being all about patternicity and essentialism, dualism, and it was good speech, but it was about his book. So it was a plug. (laughs) Well, yeah. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Next thing up was a panel on skepticism in TV. You know, the main point to take away of is, you know, a blog or a podcast that has a million listeners or viewers is an amazing blog or podcast. Take a a TV show that only has a million viewers. It's it's a flop. So if you can get on TV, you can reach more people. If, you're if not, only if, there were a skeptical program on television. <laughs> if you're not edited down to 30 seconds. Right. 
So that was good. Um, Eugenie Scott, who's the head of the uh, NCSE, National Center for Science Education, talked about how climate change denial is very similar to creationism denial. Fascinating speech. Then up next was Lawrence Krauss, who's a physicist, I think. Yes. And he wrote about he he talked about his latest book, I think, which is about Richard Feynman. Which should be because Feynman was a very interesting. Yes, yeah. it was a. a I it's it, this will tell you something about as I was as I was listening to people, I was writing down little notes here and there. The more interesting the speech or panel, the less notes I took. I took no notes on the Richard Feynman. A speech by Lawrence Krauss because it was just fascinating on its own. And then a fun little thing where uh, Jamie and Swiss, the magician, Mm -hmm. interviewed um, James Randi, Banachek, and Mike Edwards about the Project Alpha thing that happened uh, 20-some, 30 years ago. I think it was 30 years ago. Yeah, late 70s, early 80s. Um, Which Randi was part of. And he's talked about on on his podcast as well. He's talked about it. On his little podcast thing, he's talked about it in last year at TAM as well, probably in a book. I, I think it's in a book that's coming out. Yeah, or I think has so. has been released. Yeah. Um, basically, long story short, you know, Mike Adams and Banachek were two kids who said they'd be... Not will- the Mike Adams. Sorry, Mike Edwards. Mike Edwards. I, I apologize. One of, them, I, one of them went to the dark side. <laughs> Mike Edwards. I apologize that there were two young kids um, who infiltrated a. Un, you know, being honest, they weren't lying about themselves. They said, "Yeah, sure, we can do that." Yeah. Um, they infiltrated this experiment, which was trying to show psi abilities, and they basically used magic tricks to fool the experimenters. And, and, not, and sometimes not even magic tricks. Yeah. I mean, they would break in, like, when they were going, when they first got picked up, they broke into a briefcase and just bent the spoons. Yep. It's not even magic. They just did it, and then they closed it up again, and they go, oh, my God, they're It was a psych, yeah, and Banachek <laughs> said, you know, I, talk, I felt like a psychic storm on the way over, and uh, he, he talked about how um, um, Mike Edwards kind of had to bring him back down and say, okay, hold on, let's not do everything, because... Banachek broke, uh, picked the lock into the briefcase, as Gary said, and bent all the spoons in there and closed it up again. And then started going to the glove compartment and bending everything that was in there, including keys. <laughs> and was about to bend the keys of the car that they were driving. And, and Mike Edwards said, no, no, hold on. <laughs> that would be too much. <laughs> but, yeah, so it was a fun... To, apparently, they hadn't all three been on stage before about this, so it was fun to hear them talk about it. Right. Um, so that was pretty cool. And that was day two? It's still Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. Um, Jennifer Michael Hecht uh, talked about, mainly about her previous three books, Doubt, The End of the Soul, and The Happiness Myth. I wasn't particularly thrilled with her speech, mainly because she was trying to talk about everything. Right. Sometimes people at TAM have a two-hour speech that they're trying to condense down to 30 minutes. Right. This was like three two-hour speeches condensed down so, to 30 minutes, where she was just wow. shotgunning through the whole thing. She's a, a good speaker and a good author, but this one speech I didn't care for. Yeah. So. If, if, you're, if you're familiar with the, the TED Talks, when uh, Zay Frank or Z Frank gets up and does his thing, he, he does the same thing. Brilliant yeah. guy, but he tried to shove everything into a 15-minute speech, yeah. and he needed 30 minutes. Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I promise I'll try to get faster about this because Dave is just giving me the evil eye. <laughs> no, I don't yeah. 
Uh, it's P- okay. We're only 36 minutes yeah. in the podcast. <laughs> PZ Myers did a biologist look at aliens about how, you know, the Kirk effect of, oh, yeah, all the aliens are going to be these sexy, busty aliens oh, that everybody's yeah, going to want to have sex with. But the bipedal... I like the blue ones. Yeah, the bipedal the um, form... Oh, doesn't necessarily have to be humanoid or you know that kind of stuff. Yeah. PZ Myers actually pr- completely reproduced his entire talk on his blog, so just go read that. Right. That's pretty cool. Uh, up next was Pamela Gay from Astronomy Cast. Great speaker last year and this year. You know, I was complaining earlier about condensed speeches. She gives an exact speech for exactly how long she needs it, and she does it wonderfully. She last year and this year she was doing her best to be, and she accomplished it. Inspirationable about getting people out there to be, you know, cheerleaders for science. Go write your congressman about the James Webb, Webb St- Space Telescope, which you guys talked about last year. Last week. Last week. Yes. <laughs> it just felt like a year since I've been here because Tam was so awesome. Um, and you know, go on to Galaxy Zoo and stuff like that. Really interesting. And then she stayed on stage. And was joined on stage by Neil deGrasse Tyson, Bill Nye the Science Guy, Sweet. and Lawrence Krauss for a uh, Future in Space panel. Which was really great, because they were just going back and you forth. Know, and all those guys I loved to, to yeah, listen to. They were all wonderful people. They were, there was one point where Lawrence Krauss was disagreeing with Bill Nye and, and um, Neil deGrasse Tyson about the practicality of manned space flight over... Let's just do robotic missions so we can still learn stuff. Right. Let's not focus so much on getting men into space, people Which, into space. I see both sides of that. Yeah. And certainly in the uh, the current climate, it makes sense to, to push. Yeah. But, oh, man, it, just having a human in space and yeah. doing stuff, it, you can overcome so much more when you have someone you, on the ground. You can improvise. Yeah. You can inspire kids to want to be the next generation. That's the big argument, yes. I think. I, I agree. Uh, and uh, so they were going back and forth, and they were very passionate about it, all of, all of them passionate about it. And there's one point where Pamela Gay was trying to make some point, and Neil deGrasse Tyson jumps in to start talking, and <laughs> Pamela Gay just turns to him and goes, shh, and she holds up a finger, and he starts talking, no, shh, shh, and she shushes him. And nice. I just... You mean all, he was trying to talk over her? Yes. For all the women who've been talked over in TAM... I just wanted to go, yeah! <laughs> Perfect! Because half the people on stage this year were women. And I think that's a really good that's thing. Yeah. Um, as panelists, as speakers, but sometimes they get the short shrift because there's one woman and four men and they're kind of talking over her. Yeah. But she was, she was, I love her. She's awesome. <laughs> um, and of course, to round out the night, after this great panel of back and forth was Neil deGrasse Tyson, who spoke for at least an hour going through all the various pseudoscience things that he's gone through <laughs> in his life, including talking about Pluto, including talking about when he was asked for to be on jury duty. They said, oh, you're an astrophysicist. What's that all about? Oh, yeah, I study stars, blah, blah, blah. So what, how do you feel that um, influences your you know, knowledge for being on a jury or not? And the first thing out of his mouth, the first time he went for jury duty, was something along the lines of, well... Being an educated person, I understand that eyewitness testimony is inherently unreliable. And it's like, okay, thank you. Bye. <laughs> and they just dismissed him right then and there. <laughs> so if you ever want to get out of jury duty, said that, say that you've studied psychology and know that eyewitness testimony is unreliable and you'll get off. 
So that was a great day of just, I, I mean, even the speakers were like, oh, come on, try to be specific about something. Everybody was awesome. At the end of the night, there was a comedy show arranged by, um, what's his name, um, Paul Provenza. A couple different comedies. Yeah, okay, you know, not like, it wasn't like uh, Robin Williams or any really famous guys or anything like that, but it was a funny show. And then following that was Pendulette's Rock and Roll and Bacon Party, which okay. I, I, it, I personally, I thought it was a little lame. I like donuts. I like bacon. <laughs> but it was essentially, Pendulette had his band playing. Right. He played some covers, played some originals, but it was so loud. It wasn't a party. It was a concert. Uh, uh. You couldn't really talk. Yeah, so, that's... There was, you know, a I good couple hundred people who liked that and just were up in front of the stage and woo! And, you know, there was a stripper once. She had pasties on, so it wasn't that, you know, <laughs> you know debauchery or anything like that. Yeah. But it was fun. Yeah. So, and end of the night, everybody hanging out at the Del Mar, which is yeah. just what you do. Yeah. Um, and oh, that was Friday. Friday. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, I've been talking about this a lot, but that's what it feels like at TAM. It feels like a week long, because you just... You're cramming stuff in. There's so much to do, there's so many people to see, and yes, you're staying up until 3 in the morning and then getting up at 7 to go see these panels and also to be with people. I'd fit right in. Yeah, so... (laughs) So, we should go next year. Yes. Maybe what you need to do is start posting on the JRA forums, because they... I believe they had scholarships or something along those lines for 20 people who could go. And it doesn't apply to you two, but maybe to Donna. Um, Surly Amy of Surly Ramix, Amy Davis-Roth, sold Surly Ramix and was able to pay for 16 women to go. Just on her own as one small little vendor. nice. So that's another shout out to an amazing thing to do. And another amazing thing that was done was basically Saturday morning into afternoon, the Women Thinking Free Foundation held a vaccine clinic for the Tdap vaccine, and in like two or three days at DragonCon last year, the WTF's vaccine clinic was able to vaccine somewhere around 200, 240 people over those three days. They vaccinated 306 people in four hours. Wow. It was, they were out quick and, you know, just awesome. That's so, a, congratulations to Elise Anders, Jamie Bernstein, Matt Lowry, all the people I know up in Chicago, including the people who I don't know or forgot, who did an amazing job with the uh, Women Thinking Free Foundation's Hug Me Unvaccinated campaign. Yep. And during that workshop where they talked about grassroots efforts, that Hug Me Unvaccinated campaign kept coming up as a perfect example, okay. as something we can do to, um, as activists for science and skepticism, to say it's safe, you should do it, yeehaw. Yeah. So, Saturday, and awesome, um, as I was mentioning, while a lot of these speakers and panels were going on, the Women Thinking for a Free Foundation were doing their vaccine clinic. Um, start, they started off with a panel with uh, Joe Nichols, Karen Dolls now, Ben Radford, James Randi, Banachek on the ethics of paranormal investigation. And they talked about, you know, deception, when do you come clean, um, how um, 
That's an interesting panel yeah. because they're kind of preaching to the choir there. Yeah, but, you know, it's the kind of thing you still have to think of the ethics of if there are children involved, like people are trying to tell the, that children that they're psychics and they're yeah. and they actually probably need medical help. Do you bother oh, investigating yeah, right. or you just say, you know what, they need medical help. They need psychiatric help. You should get them out there. And that's actually one of the things they talked about. You know, the ethics of how do you deal with someone who thinks a magician's trick is still real after they say it's, it's just a trick. Right. So. Well, I think you yeah. tell them that you really need to think yeah. about your <laughs> yes. how you think. <laughs> and it's an interesting panel, but they suffered a little bit for the fact that they were at 8 in the morning <laughs> on Saturday morning. Wow, yeah. Um, yep. Then um, Sadie Crabtree, who I believe is the new communications director for the JREF. I apologize if I got that wrong. Um, but she talked a lot about um, winning the hearts and minds of the other side, you know, speaking their language, reasoning with the unreasonable. Good speech, but, you know, in the morning, so kind of a unfortunate slot. No. Well, <laughs> oh, you're going to do it, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, again, Saturday morning, um, the Getting Things Done panel, which had a close personal friend, Elise Anders, and friend of the show. <laughs> Uh, she talked a bit about um, the Hug Me and Vaccinated campaign. Or she would be part of the uh, friend of the show if she knew about it. She knows about it. Good. I've told her. <laughs> and she would kill me if I was, you know, saying anything bad about her. Like what? What, would, what, what bad things could you say about her? That she's an <laughs> awesome parent. And she's got two beautiful children. <laughs> so, yeah, Elise Anders was on the panel, talked about um, anti-vax stuff where they got the AMC ads that were up pulled with an internet campaign, which is just full of awesome. Um, A. Kovacs talked about the San Diego Science Festival. Um, Jen McCrate talked about um, Secular Student Alliance stuff, getting you know activists out there. Um, Justin Trottier, who's a Canadian, talked about being on a conspiracy show and being the skeptical voice. So that was pretty cool. All right, and um, I believe it was, no, not finishing out the morning, but still going on in the morning was... Um, still in the morning. <laughs> yes, yeah, still in the morning on Saturday morning. Um, <laughs> yes, I am sorry, I talk on and on and on. Um, was a panel by... It's weird how we can't get these things under an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you guys, I'm going home. Okay, what's the most <laughs> embarrassing thing that happened to you while you were there? Going into the uh, elevator. The <laughs> no, going. Uh, we'll hit that in the highlights. All right. So you're at the placebo panel. The yeah, there was a panel about placebos with several distinguished doctors: David Gorski, Mark Chrislip, Rachel Dunlop, Harriet Hall, Kimball Atwood, and Ginger Campbell. All not um, moderated by Stephen Novella. I like Ginger Campbell. Yeah, they was they were all really Brain good. Science podcast. Yep. Highly recommend it. Yep. I don't know that one. I do now. They talked a lot about the placebo effect, about the morals of the placebo effect, and we're we're going to get into this in the full-on podcast. Um, they talked a lot about a recent New England Journal of Medicine article studying placebos and asthma treatment, and about the subjective nature of placebos versus what you can actually ob- objectively measure, and how placebo effect goes away when you have ob- objective measures. So we'll talk more about that in the main podcast um, when I'm not babbling on all by myself. (laughs) 
Um, they talked about placebos and animals, and do they really have an effect? Is it just, you know, the owners <laughs> reporting? Saying it, it's like the clever Hans effect of yeah. they're just doing it because well the owner says yeah you're happy. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean even the eth- ethics with with bringing in a patient and saying okay I don't think you're hurt but I'll give you an X-ray just to show you. And right. even that is kind of a placebo. Because yeah. you feel better after you've had that x-ray and seen the thing and said, okay, I'm better. <laughs> I like because homeopaths yeah. often say it's not placebo effect because it works on animals. Yeah. Proving yeah, placebo but, effects don't work on animals. But it does. Well, yeah, because the owners and the doctors. You between know, you and me and the hole in the wall because no one's listening to this. Information redacted. So that was a neat panel, and um, I agree with David that it's just a fascinating topic. And you know, me having asthma is like, yay! They're talking about asthma. <laughs> Not that I did that in the middle of the yay. audience. You're talking to um, me. Yeah. <laughs> so um, up next was uh, Elizabeth Loftus, who. I believe is a psychologist or a psychiatrist, but I'm not sure. Elizabeth Loftus? Uh, Loftus. Loftus? Yes. Um, go check her out, Google. They're, all the speakers are awesome, so just Google them and, they're, and you'll find awesome stuff. She talked about um, manufacturing memories. Um, she, mm. um, you know, things like the Hillary Clinton sniper fire thing. Oh, yeah, I felt so where, bad for her, but you know that stuff happens. Yeah, and, yeah. and Hillary Clinton actually said... I made a mistake. I misremembered that, you know, it's a human nature. I'm human. And that's exactly what you should do. You should say, you know what? Yeah. I was wrong. You know, I, you know it's no possible to do that. Yeah. She was mixing up her fears of that situation, yeah. what she was imagining it might be like. Or maybe another time and place where she had, you know, she's been all over the place. And it's easy to create those kind of memories. And that's actually more of what Elizabeth Loftus went into about studies where they can implant even simple memories like... You know, maybe you never got lost in a mall as a child, but you can suggest a story, you know, reinforce it, and you can test them later and remember that. That study was not very good, though. Yeah. But because they kept on getting criticized, they started doing other situations like a mishap at a family wedding or a serious accident, breaking your leg as a child or... You know, I mean, even, he can do. Just yeah. watch Darren Brown's specials on. Yeah, uh, he, he can. You can implant yeah. ideas fairly in, easy, and you think that this is what you wanted. Yeah, you know, it's it's pretty easy to do. I wonder yeah. if that hadn't but happened to Hillary Clinton if she wouldn't be president right now. It's possible. Who knows? Too many people think that you know our memories are VCRs or yeah. DVD yeah. recorders so or something. So you assume she's lying and yeah, ne- yeah. embellishing and. As opposed to a certain congresswoman from Minnesota who probably had a fact checker tell her that John Wayne was from the certain town of Iowa that she was in. Yeah, and John Wayne Gacy was... Yeah. But, yeah, maybe we should give even people that we dislike the benefit of the doubt. And that's part of the don't be a dick thing. No, I'm filled with hatred and rage. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. <laughs> better, yeah. so as you, as you can tell from my yeah. voice, I'm filled with hatred. Up next was uh, Phil Plate's doppelganger, Richard Wiseman, ah. um, and I think they played on that a few times during the weekend, which was kind of fun. Uh, he talked about his book Paranormality, which I think we mentioned on the podcast a week Good or book. two ago. Yeah, yeah. That. yeah. Um, he didn't. He, I mean, he didn't specifically talk about the book, but brought up a lot of stuff about um, the 
the kind of confluence of magic and psychology and what you can learn. Teaches you how to bend spoons. Yeah, yeah. Although um, I, cool. I have a, I have a, I'm wondering if his paranormality deal with the United States isn't just a psychological <laughs> test yeah. by saying you know creating scarcity mm-hmm. and expecting. Yeah, I thought yeah. The same thing. yeah. Who knows? But yeah, he. Ta- he, he just talked about the stuff from the book. He didn't say That's anything cool. about not being available. Yeah. So, um, but, we you see know, through you, Mister Wiseman. <laughs> is he really a wise man? It is exactly the kind of thing he He went into a lot of different visual and auditory illusions. Um, you know, different things like the really old pictures of. Like the one that's kind of looks like a rabbit, but might also look like a duck. Yeah, yeah that's very old chalk, chalk drawing. Um, yeah. The idea of one of the first illusions was, I think, a waterfall, where if you stared at the waterfall long enough and then looked away at someone else, something else, you would see something moving where it wasn't uh, yeah. supposed to be moving because your brain got used to that. Brains are funny. Um, oh yeah, and some of the funniest things too. was um, there was uh, that that classical song. Uh, Carmina Burana, I think is how it's pronounced. It's like, you know, that, you know, kind of very intense, kind of, um, wow. Um, dramatic movement. There is a video. No, I wish you had a video right now. Of me going, ooh, ooh, ah, ah. He's got got his hands up in front of his face, like he's very, very angry. Thank you. Um, yeah. That was nice. But about the par- the audio pareidolia that you can get from those old Latin lyrics, and it's like you know they put the lyrics below it. That's like some men like cheese. Oh, that one. hot salty cheese. Oh, that, yeah, I know which. Yeah, yeah. There's some really hilarious uh, yeah. videos with, with the subtitles. The version he used is not on YouTube, but yeah. if you Google Richard Wiseman, Karina. Karina, nah, I can't pronounce it. Karina Barana. Um, it, you'll find something very similar to what he posted, uh, played, and it was—it's just really funny yeah. to you know that intense Latin language and this funny stuff going along with slides of the whole thing. Yeah. You know, audio par- uh, pareidolia is something I've been like dealing with because I have a baby in the in the, in the house. You <laughs> so know? you think she's and saying something? This, she said, she said, I'm like, I don't know about that. That's probably pareidolia. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, you know. She said your name. She said your name. It's like, yeah. I don't know. Okay, you know? okay, Dave. It's not a baby. It, she's 16 years old. <laughs> <laughs> I think she's saying your name. The grandbaby. Oh, okay. I have a grandbaby. <laughs> Sometimes she's just making absolutely no sense. But she knows some yeah, words. Unlike you know? the 16-year-old, well, who always makes sense. It, no. If you make enough noises you're going to make sounds that sound like words yeah but the the bit and the baby won't shut up (laughs) (laughs) sometimes they are words sometimes she's you know yeah it's it's something to become clearer and clearer and And they just keep trying different sounds ba za ba boo ba ba and then they start making noise the the biggest earworm though of what richard wiseman put up is you know that song uh that ballad all by myself all by by myself Um, there, they, oh, that was horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, um, there was a a picture of it of of Obama and a little cartoon elf. 
on his shoulder <laughs> that was animated to be singing Obama's elf. I don't want to be Obama's elf anymore. So okay, it's like a thirty-second little thing, and that is on YouTube. So. It's kind of like when you listen to a song and you get the words wrong, but yeah. you hear it. You know, yeah. you hear. Excuse it. me while later I kiss this find, guy. Later, yeah. you uh, learn that it's completely yeah. different. It sounds so. You just know those are the words. Yeah, so it was pretty funny, and he, um, Richard Wiseman ended up his his presentation with <laughs> this guy. He, he he had asked online for everybody to send him his really their really great ghost pictures. He decided to show us the really crappy ones he got. You know, <laughs> really? ones where people are like, oh yeah, it's a ghost, and it's a picture a picture on a TV in the background. It's like. No, that's not a ghost. That's a picture in the TV. It would have been good to send yeah. those WOAI. Yeah, that kind of stuff. You know, so Fort Sam. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that was. Uh, that's the morning. The morning is now over of Saturday. Yay! So um, so now we're gonna go have lunch. And I will tell you a fun little story during lunch. You guys have asked a couple times about did anything happen in an elevator? Elevator go down. Nothing happened to me in an elevator. But a friend of mine who I met last year while we were making felt vaginas, um, <laughs> she told me um, that... Mommy, what we did in art class. Yeah, pretty much. Um, I have a picture of it. We, I'll show it to you guys later. Um, she told me that she got hit on in an elevator. That weekend? That weekend. And um, her name is um, Ellen, but I'm not going to go into too many details. But it was... Someone who was not from the conference. Apparently, it was this huge, gorgeous, smoky um, uh, French man who was basically hitting on a petite, um, cute American girl, assuming that all Americans are sluts, and was. Um, but we know, you know all French people are. If you know, I'll buy you a drink or a few if you give me your phone number. You know, that was a horrible French accent, but I, but basically <laughs> she. She she said that she was kind of giggling through the whole thing because she was just exploding with the irony of actually getting hit on in an elevator by so, a French man by anybody at at a conference and and I told her after she told me the story that while she was telling this to me I was kind of giggling in my head because I had this image of them coming down to the the main floor and the doors of the elevator parting and you see this semicircle of skeptics <laughs> and atheists with Rebecca Watson standing in the middle and then my friend Ellen just pointing to the guy and saying, guess what? This guy just hit on me. And this entire <laughs> mob of skeptics coming, running at him, going, run! It, it doesn't sound like she th- uh, felt threatened. She didn't. She is a, a confident woman and, you know, can take care of herself. Um, and Well, to be fair, yeah. Watson so didn't feel threatened Rebecca either. Watson. She just felt creeped out. Yeah, it was more in the evening than three in the morning. So there pl- if she screamed, I, I don't know if she said she was going, she could have, but uh, she would have. But if she had, people would have heard. Hmm. So it was an okay situation and... Honestly, this friend of mine is kind of used to getting hit on in many situations. Um, so she by you? No, <laughs> no, not really. I was I, I felt uh, this. I don't want to go too much. Into I felt too much like a big brother in this situation. But she's you know we were we met making felt vaginas. I mean, how much more older brother can you feel? Um, 
<laughs> yeah, yeah it's a shame. It's a shame this we're not we're not streaming this on like YouTube. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that went if That's that came from affair. either. But yes, so there were some in- incidents at elevators and. Um, well, last you know, I met my my last girlfriend making clay penises. Yeah. <laughs> so this friend of mine actually went wow. later on to Rebecca and told Rebecca Watson about this, and you know. You know, nothing much came of that, but she went to Bob Novella some other time, either before or after, and told him the story. And she was kind of having fun with it because she was safe and it was all okay. And Bob's first response was, are you okay? (laughs) So that's the kind of weekend it was where you could kind of – there were plenty of elevator jokes. Well, yeah, yeah. But he, you some know, people take it more seriously than others. Yeah. In like the bar, there was the occasional quip about elevators really or chewing gum or stuff like that. But um, yeah, everybody was like, "Yeah, that's you know, that's Vegas where people are." Someone it's, was going to get hit on. It, it yeah. is Vegas. Yeah, someone was going to get hit on by someone outside of the conference. Yeah. Um, so it's just hilarious. Yeah. That's kind of creepy. creepy. It makes makes you think about maybe that's a, a for, uh, some people think it's a good technique because one you're isolated yeah. and two you've got them you know isolated and yeah and so there's nobody around and they can't go anywhere so you can actually just I mean there's the classic high school picture of five girls hanging out together right. and you want to get to talk to the one girl but you can't right but we have learned in the last month or so. Cornering someone in an elevator, whether you're cornering them or not, is not a good idea. <laughs> Quite possibly that. Yeah. So. Yeah, and then you have to read up on game theory too. Yeah. Anyway, continue. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that was a fun little story at lunch. Wow. So we got to chat around that. Right. Yep. So that was that was the elevator story. Yeah. Um, there were other little jokes here and there in the, the hanging out at the Del Mar, and one or two little responses. On the podium, uh, sorry, lectern. Actually, there was a big argument, kind of joking argument, the entire weekend about, right. you know, call it a lectern, not a podium, because right. a podium is what you stand up on. So people were on a podium at a lectern. No, the speaking. lectern was on stage. But you could look at the stage as a podium. Kind of. Podium, I think, as being an independent it is. small piece yeah. on top of something else. Right. Yeah. Which but that's, stage is. That's part of the <laughs> geeky fun, which is Tam, where you get to argue about podia versus... Pedantics. Yes. <laughs> or in this case, podiumantics. Yes. Okay. So, continuing on my idea of when there were awesome speakers up, I didn't take that many notes. The next three speakers, I didn't take a lot of notes. Ah. Um, up next, after... Um, Actually, after lunch was an SGU recording. They recorded the second half. Okay. So go listen to the SGU podcast. I know we're, for some reason, advertising other podcasts on this, but hey, it's what are okay. you going to do? It's part of the yeah. community. After the SGU recording was Carol Tavris, the psychologist. She wrote uh, Mistakes Were Made But Not By Me. Love that book. Love, love that book. She um, And I loved her. Last year, my two favorite speakers were Phil Plate and Carol Tavris. Because she is an awesome speaker, fun. You really, I mean, being into psychology hey, I've myself. I listened to her, yeah. uh, her interview on Brain Science Podcast with Ginger Campbell. Right. Talked for about an hour. Yeah. She talks great. Like, like I said on my little blog post, as far as I'm concerned, they should take Oprah's network away from her <laughs> and give it to Tar- Carol Tavris. 
because she is just that that awesome. Her and Pamela Gay, you know, just there they can co-do the whole thing. They're really awesome women. That's what we need on TV. Um, so she did a, a talk about dissent and dissonance, the the science and the art of the argument. Now, you know, it was some talk of, you know, the, the whole thing that's been going on for the last year about the argument over tone. Right. You know, are you going to be the dick or are you going to be the not dick? But, you know, it's it was more of if you have someone who you can talk to, how do you talk to them? And that first part is part of the problem. If you have someone who you can't talk to and can't reason with, you can't use reasonable arguments with them. Right. But if you do, this is kind of how you do it. you got to take their, you know, understand their values, where they're coming from, not be aggressive, blah, blah, blah. But awesome, awesome speech. Um, not much to say more about that. Okay. Um, up next was Bill Nye. And, um, I'd like to see him. He got booed in Texas. Really? <clears throat> yeah, he got he got booed. He was in uh, Waco, and uh, he he said, "Oh, what was he talking about? Um, oh, the the moon and the sun." He said the Bible was wrong about the moon being oh, an right. object of light, and so he got booed. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yep, yep. But this was this was Bill Nye's first Tam. That's just astounding to me. Yeah, I, and and he was he's perfect for Tam. He's inspirational. To many, many people who've seen him as a kid and growing up, uh, he's a good science communicator. I, I personally like uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson a little bit more myself, but that's my personal opinion. I, I would agree with that, but for different reasons. Because yeah. Bill Nye is more of a, a, a science person, and Neil deGrasse, he has, I don't know. He is an he, astronomer. He's more di- yeah, I know, yeah, I know that. Okay. He's a little bit more dynamic, I guess. Yes. Then, then Bill, I think Bill Nye is almost chaotic, whereas okay. Tyson, I think, is uh, directionful. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's just what did you say? Directionful. I thought so. <laughs> hey, English language. You've known me for clear. how many months? You know I make up words all the time. I'm not res- running for president, so we don't have to worry. That's right. Um, but yeah, I mean. He he gave a speech basically about bringing them around to our place in space. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, Bill Nye. Bill Nye. Okay. Neil deGrasse Tyson was the oh, first yes. night. Okay. And right. Neil deGrasse Tyson was the 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 you know pseudoscience Science. that he's come up against. Really good, you know, inspirational, in just awesome. All right. Which we talked about. So yeah. Right. So Bill Nye. Yeah. And then the end of the night was Richard Dawkins. Sat- wow. Saturday night. Um, he. Um, he actually the first half of his speech was giving us all a super secret preview of his new book, um, The Wonders of It's the Wonders of Science or something like that. Ah, shoot! Not so super secret anymore. Yeah. Um, Except we don't. Know no, we know it. We know it's, <laughs> it's available. On, it's available for pre-order on Amazon. Yeah. Um, but you know, none of the pages have been released, and apparently, all the artwork is by the guy who did. Neil Gaiman's artwork in the comics. Oh, really? Wow. Um, so beautiful pages where he each chapter is a question, like, where did life come from? What are rainbows? Um, are we alone? Magnets, how do they fucking work? Yeah, essentially. <laughs> are they the 15 questions that evolutionists can't answer? Yeah, no, they're the kind of... It's, it's a young adult science book. So he talks... Uh, he t- the first of each chapter is basically asking a question and then saying, what have been the myths that we've had as a culture for the last several thousand years? Oh, well, that's cool. So, you know, the myths like of 
you know, rainbows were farting, you know, unicorns, unicorns yeah. dancing across the sky or something like that. They're okay. And then the chapter ends, the second half of the chapter is what actually is a rainbow? It's yeah. reflected light and, and, and the real, the you beauty, can't explain that. the beauty of real science. I'm just going to ignore that one, Dave. <laughs> I can't explain it. You just won't understand it. <laughs> so that it was really fascinating to see it, and you know, I have a little cousin niece thing. I don't know how to figure out the niece of my, the daughter of my cousin, what that is to me, like a cousin thrice removed. I don't know, but I think you she call, would be call it the cousinette. Yes, I think she would be perfect to give this book to next Christmas because it's a it's a fascinating book. Um, it looks great for kids. That's you know, cool. not like. Five-year-olds, but, you know, kind of older tens right. into so, the tweens. So let's... Okay, we got that. <laughs> now. Yes, was Gary? It, was it, what are you going to ask me? Are you going to be all pedantic with me? No, not at all. <laughs> I'm wondering if there was any tension or fallout from from the whole Dawkins-Watson uh, thing. Not up on Kurt stage, Fumble. as far as I know. Oh, that's cool. Um, the... the uh, if you listen to SGU podcasts, they don't really touch on it much. Right. Um, and Dawkins did not join him on stage for that. And Dawkins, during his speech, did not allude to it at all. Okay, so that's not a big yeah. deal. Yeah. No. Up on stage, it really wasn't talked about by almost anybody. Now, here's the other question I have for you. So sure. there's like 1,600 people attending TAM, right? Yes. But there's not 1,600 people in like this room, because that would be sort of a small auditorium. It's a large ballroom. Wait, can you fit 1,600 people in a ballroom? It's a big room. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's a big room. <laughs> you know those big, audit, uh, you know, those conference rooms where they can take, they can slide in walls and yeah, slide yeah, yeah. out walls? We had, like, four of those rooms. Okay. All line, one big, long rectangle oh, of a room. Oh, it to be at the back. And, yeah, well, how they set it up is on either side of the stage, there are two screens. screens yeah, and they and probably... And halfway back... There are two more screens. Right, and then those are insane. It's a very them. good audio system where you can yeah. pretty much, as long as the person has their microphone on, right. then you can hear pretty much everything that's being said. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. I want to do this next year. Yeah, it's it's worth it. I mean, the, the second half of Dawkins' speech, after he went on about his book, is he kind of almost reiterated what PZ Myers was talking about, about the plausibility of humanoid aliens and the biology of you know you know how many forms have come and the solutions yeah, wait a minute. Now, now, now the it was plan 9 from outer space so the yep. second day wasn't a lot of uh, outer spacey stuff there was a lot of psychology well, and Dawkins pushing Bill his book. Nye, Dawkins, you had... Dawkins wasn't yeah. talking... Okay, so He talked about... Half. Yeah, okay, it was about half. aliens and what they could be. Okay. Uh, but the psychology... No, the nah. psychology of, of aliens. Well, that that's the actually good thing about Tam. And even if they have a theme... Like, Tam can, 8 didn't yeah. really have a big theme to yeah. it. It just had the 8 ball because it was an 8. Um, but Tam 9 from Out of Space... Oh, that's kind of a neat little theme if you can tie into it. Right. And some people did, and not a lot of people did, and that's good no. because there's so much that can be talked about in skepticism, which I'll get back get onto on Sunday when they did the diversity panel. Um, and when do we get to that? Well, let's see. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that was that was basically the the end of uh, Saturday, where um, so uh, some people honestly were not really pleased with Dawkins, but mostly because he's just a very dry British speaker, and it's not quite as exciting as say Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, right, uh, I would agree with. I that. would rather he, listen to Dawkins than Neil. DeGrasse he was Tyson. Really? he was very interesting. It was fascinating. Uh, I disagree. But at the end of a long day, it's a lot of very... I'm British, and I'm talking to you in a very calming voice. A reasonable, calm voice. I'm sorry, I've never enjoyed listening to Neil deGrasse Tyson. Oh, I've heard him many times, and I've... You would have have at least enjoyed him, not disenjoyed him, because it was... (laughs) Disenjoyed him. (laughs) That's awesome. He's in Chicago, right? I, well, he works for the Hayden Planetarium in New York. Oh, in New York. Yeah. He also spends a lot of time in D.C. I don't know where he right. lives, which is probably a good thing. On the road. <laughs> no, I'm not going to put Neil deGrasse Tyson yeah. down. No, you, just, but you would have enjoyed Dawkins more, and that's perfectly wait, you, fine. You, you prefer the more reasonable level... Um, Maybe the subject matter. I, I generally like what he... Dawkins is talking about about biology as opposed to astrophysics as 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 opposed to or atheism as opposed to astrophysics didn't really talk about atheism oh yeah, yeah. I think he's done that he's moved yeah. on yeah I guess that general you know Neil deGrasse Tyson big advocate for space travel right. and um, Pluto and that was a, like a minor thing uh, that just got blown up man have you read the book <laughs> what book uh, the the Pluto, Pluto Files. No, no, I haven't. That's going to be in stereo. I know he went on Stephen Colbert and talked about Pluto. Yeah, I think I I thought his stuff on Pluto was hilarious. Not, okay. it's not saying that Dawkins was bad, but at six o'clock at the end of a long day on Saturday after three yeah. days, that calming British voice. Yeah, you, you had a lot of people sitting there shifting in their seats because it had been a long day. Oh. Okay. But he's a good speaker and worth seeing. Worth seeing again at this year's Texas Freethought Convention that hopefully all of us can make it to. Which I will be, yeah. Cool. So, um, after Dawkins, I went off to dinner with friends I met from last year. Friends, someone, like, the, the woman who I met making felt vaginas. Yeah. Vaginas. Not vaginas. What the Manginas? <laughs> it could have been. It was the vagina from last year. We named it Glinda the Friendly v- Vagina, so... <laughs> Um, I'm Glenda the Friendly Vagina. Exactly. You have killed my wicked sister. It's, 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 hood, it's hood was pierced and everything, so. Um, you know, I, I had dinner with, the, with basically a bunch of different people who I'd met this year, last year. And, um, it, it really kind of reinforced to me that last year was about just meeting new people. This year was actually about making friends. And you guys will hopefully get to experience that more when you go. That night, the entertainment was um, Max Maven's Thinking in Person, an evening of knowing and not knowing. Um, he does a lot of um, basically mentalism magic, but sometimes with cards and stuff like that. Um, a lot of the show is pure monologue. Like, he'll do a five-minute monologue in between tricks. And I know some people who were maybe a little bit more MTV generation than I was... Not that I got away with making that comment. Someone berated me for telling her that she was uh, of the MTV generation. Well, I wasn't, but I was. Re- I was re- anyway. Um, I'm to early s- MTV generation. Yeah, uh, like was, when they when they when showed it was videos. A music show. Yeah, 
I grew up as a music channel too, but anyway, you know, I I can understand why not everybody felt found it really that interesting because it was a long time between tricks, but it was inter- interesting entertainment. <laughs> Moving on, that was the end of Saturday. Yay! And I ended up basically staying up until three in the morning on Saturday, despite still being sick. I said, screw it, I'm going to burn the candle at both ends, and I'm just going to enjoy myself. So, you know, I hung out with some people who I had met just this year, and um, the table I was sitting at was next to this troop of about six or seven Norwegians who made it all the way out to TAM. Oh, really? And any time anybody walked next to their table and said, Norway, they would go, Norway! And it was just every three seconds, you know, Brian Dunning would go by, Norway? Norway! You know, you know, I, I don't even know if they got James Randi to say Norway to them or not, but... That's cool. Yeah, so that was that was pretty And fun. that explains the whole Norway thing. Yes. It's a funny little thing and probably only a... Suddenly it is revealed, Yeah, people. a few dozen people know what was going on, but that's, that's the unfortunate part about having 1,600 people at TAM. You can't meet everybody, and yeah. you can't know all the jokes. Right. Like, I heard someone who was trying to... One of the people who I met um, was trying to get the the meme of the weekend. She wanted to be about genital piercing. <laughs> and wanted to keep people talking about genital piercing for some apparent reason. But I didn't get where that started, and I hadn't heard it the rest of the weekend. Uh. So, I don't know if that continued or not, but that <laughs> sounded kind of fun. <laughs> but yeah, by by the time it's Saturday night, that was actually the loudest night at the Del Mar because everybody was just like, "Screw it, we got one last official night of Tam, and we're just gonna have fun." Because a lot of people like me were flying back on Sunday. So Sunday, Sunday, um, Sunday at Tam um, last year was almost entirely dead. There were a few things going on, but it wasn't really much. So. Last year, I left on Monday on my plane flight, so I said, okay, I'll just fly out Sunday night. Of course, this year, they schedule stuff up through, say, 9 o'clock at night on Sunday. Uh, yeah, so nice. um, I missed a few things, so I can't give a full report. Sunday actually begins early, early in the morning with some poor souls who, um, I guess around 10 or so people who, everybody applies to present a paper at TAM. And they're allowed to only have they're fifteen ten or fifteen minutes instead of the full half hour or forty five minute speech, but um, they get a little bit of time to do their little presentation. And I know of, uh, at least two or three of the people who are giving these presentations. Uh, a friend of mine, Phil Ferguson, who's a um, financial consultant, and talked about being skeptical about your investments. Um, a friend of mine, Susan Jervik Foresight, who I met last year. Uh, she's involved in the independent investigation group that does you know more kind of grassroots stuff, and she talked about getting out there and correcting Wikipedia because that's one of the big things. Just your average skeptic don't have to start a podcast, don't have to start a blog, don't have to be a big voice. You can go out there and make sure that Phil Plate's Wikipedia page is actually accurate, or the the Wikipedia page on vaccination has. Um, What's the references and actual studies backing it up? That Paul Revere. Correct, uh, uh, I don't know if that's worth that. that I mean, where do you start? They probably wouldn't <laughs> let you. But you know, things like put on 
actual verifiable stuff on Sylvia Brown's website about how she is not a actual psychic <laughs> and and what she has gotten wrong. You, you, well, you make you make sure that it says she claims to be a yeah. psychic as yeah. opposed to her. You being make a psychic, it. Yeah. You have to be factual, accurate, and respectful. You can't call someone a douchebag or something. Right. But, you know, you, you follow the rules of Wikipedia and get things up there and get them correct. Yeah. If people try to take it down, you just get more people to say, no, that's right. right. And, and, and it'll be correct. And that's yeah. the important thing. So shout out to those friends that I knew um, who did that. Idea. So, you know, it's the kind of thing where even us guys and Donna... If we if we wanted to, if we had something that we really wanted to talk about, we could write it up, you know, send our send in our slides and be on the stage at TAM. It's pretty pretty neat. I I didn't write all their stuff down, but um, you know, like I have a recording of it. So up next with Which we can't sell because we don't hold the rights no, no. to. No, <laughs> maybe, maybe and, and no loyal listeners, we will not be putting that up on the feed because we yeah, don't have the rights to it. We don't have the rights to it. Although we may we may quote mine it and put together some silly uh... yeah quotes yeah that's parody and stuff yeah you know we'll set it to the pirates Fair of Benzance or something yeah <laughs> and with the first official morning slot was uh, uh, psychologist and neurologist um, Susana uh, Susanna Martinez Conde and Stephen Macknick who talked about the neuroscience of understanding how magic affects the brains and how oh. you know how the distraction book about that, is there not? Yeah, Slights yeah. of the Mind, I yeah. think it's called. Yeah, I've heard it on a couple of, yeah. uh, of podcasts. It was, it, was, it was very yeah. fascinating, and they showed slides about how, you know, you've got this, a magician. Sorry, who was this? Is it a woman or the man? Both of them. The, a German accent, right? Uh, possibly, yes. Yeah. I didn't understand she, the word that yeah. she said. So she had, was, a, <laughs> she had a heavy accent, yeah. but I couldn't identify it. That, yeah, maybe it wasn't German, but I've heard it a couple You know, talking about how you show a video of someone doing a simple coin vanish, and how, you know, you we know from even some functional MRIs and stuff like that, that your attention is focused on the wrong hand, yeah. even though you know probably the coin is over here, you're... You're dazzled by this other waving hand, um, and you know it's talking about stuff that I hadn't really thought about. How if you hold your hand at full length and hold your thumb up, you, the area of your thumb is about what you actually specifically can focus on. Everything else around that, as you get further and further away, is more and more blurry. less focused on yeah. and blurry. Huh. So you have very a small tunnel vision of what you actually focus on, yeah. and that's what magicians take advantage of, mentally and visually. Yeah. That they can, you know, they can distract you with, you know, just talking. So that that was that was interesting. No, that'd be interesting. Yeah. In hearing that one. Um, up next was Sarah Mayhew, <laughs> who does her talk was on secular storytelling, but she talked a lot about um, her project to create. Skeptical, friendly, and critical thinking, positive manga comics, which is the yeah. Japanese yeah. style of comics, and how those style of comics are a lot more metaphorical and exaggerated, but they can still tell the same kind of emotional story that has critical thinking in it. And she has yeah. this comic book that she's creating with a big uh, feminist um, superhero who uses logic and critical thinking to get her out of trouble kind of think of a manga Hermione Granger <laughs> or a manga Scooby-Doo yeah there you go <laughs> Velma <laughs> yeah 
right? Yeah, but she talked a lot about how in more storytelling, um, you you deal with you know flashy emotional button pushing can hide a bad story like uh, Twilight. Right. And then good storytelling with some good critical thinking and humanistic values like Star Trek and Harry Potter can be a wonderful story. Yeah. Hmm. And there's actually, this week, a couple things from Skeptic Magazine about religion and Harry Potter or what are the secular values of Harry Potter. <laughs> well, there's Jesus, so. yeah. Jesus, Harry Potter, Christ. Thing. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Jesus, Potter, Harry, Christ. That's, yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Harry, Christ! Up next was a panel on communicating skepticism, which um, had some fun back and forth between Phil Plate and P.Z. Myers. Uh, But there was also Carol Tavris, my favorite, Eugenie Scott, and Jamie and Sweet Swiss. And they talked a lot about how, um, you know, there's... The Tone Wars was mentioned a lot, but they also talked a lot about that there really is no one way to communicate skepticism. You need... Many voices in many tactics, right. stuff like that. But one of one of the one of the best quotes that I think a lot of people tweeted immediately as soon as they heard it actually came from PZ Myers, who you don't think of the big inspirational guy, but um, he repeated this quote on his blog, which is, "Truth is our pole star. Science is the vessel we use to progress, and a passion to explore and learn is the engine of our purpose." just you know a, a great idea that you know we're not we don't we don't have truth as something that we feel we have with a capital T yeah. but it's what we're always searching for and that sure. science is how we get there and it just you know a beautiful <laughs> idea from Mr. PZ yep well he does he has his moments yeah uh, it's it's fun to to think of and i think one of the audience questions was about this um, at this panel or one of the others about how PZ has this persona on his blog of being Mr. Snark, Mr. You know, Angry Teeth. Yeah. But you meet him in person or hear him speak or hear him uh, on a panel. Just, he's good, this teddy just bear. Look, of a at guy. A, look him up on YouTube. Yeah. You would never guess that what he writes can come out of this guy who's quiet. Yeah. And quiet what, what he said was when he's writing his blog, 90% of the time he's sitting there chuckling. Because he's just having fun with it. Yeah, yeah. So um, that kind of tells you kind of who he really is. Yeah. Um, I think I've said this before, um, but I personally, when I heard Phil Plate's speech last year about Don't Be a Dick, I didn't think about P.Z. Myers. <laughs> I thought about everybody who blo- who posts comments on P.Z. Myers' site, right. but not P.Z. Myers himself, because yeah. I don't think he's a dick. He's confrontational and unapologetic, but he's... He's not necessarily... Rarely does he really bring he, out the, the double-barreled and cuss. And, no, I mean, he, he yeah, makes fun people of people, but he's not yeah. mean. Did you ever see his interview with Chris Mooney? Did you ever hear that? No, I don't think so. Uh, I um, believe I did, yes. It was hilarious. Because they kind of ganged up on him about how, how mean he is and how he's scaring Christians away. <laughs> right. And, and um, people don't like him, and people don't like his tone. And he just flat said, told Chris Mooney, you know... Some people think you're an ass. <laughs> yeah. And the fact is, PZ says he, I, and he does, he posted on his blog that there are plenty of people who come to PZ and say, your, your writing and your way of talking about things and just laying it out there and being honest about how silly it is, that's what br- brought some people away from theism or pseudoscience or any like that. Sure. We uh, need voices like that. That's why I told the Mormons. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's because not not because of P, I should have said PZ instead, but I said Dawkins because he's the he's the one that he's one they, they would know. Yeah. yeah. It's like makes it easier just to talk about the, what I believe is true as opposed to just right. listening to you <laughs> prattle on about your delusions. <laughs> I don't often talk about my delusions, do I? No. Oh, you meant the Mormons. Okay. Mormons. <laughs> the poor little Mormon kids. Yeah. I'm going to have my house already. If they come into my house, I'm going to have the um, Book of Mormon ready to queue up. <laughs> hey, talk. come on. Sit down with me. Let's watch a musical. I've, I've heard that there are actually Mormons who love that, that, that show because it's not a mean show. Yeah. It's kind of, it pokes fun at them, but it's fun. So it's not like, you know, people going up in arms about um, Jesus Christ's uh, Superstar or The Last Temptation of Christ. Last That's what it was. Yeah. How much more we got? Um, just a little bit left of Sunday. Yeah. All right. Um, this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so after the panel was Desiree Shell, who um, talked a lot about how skepticism can learn a lot from the social movements. And that actually... She was the one who gave the workshop on grassroots skepticism. Right. So it was a lot of the same points, but it was many good points. Cool. All right. All right. Um, Then we had um, Mr. Skeptic Guide to the Universe, Stephen Novella himself, just alone on stage, and he was talking about uh, mental illness denial. He did a lot. Yeah, he was (laughs) up on stage a lot. But, wow. you know, he, he does it well. He yeah. he is good at moderating and talking along those lines. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. But mainly he was talking about things like the, the, the phenomenon of migraines is actually not something you can objectively measure, but it's still an actual condition. Uh-huh. Or, you know, people like L. Ron Hubbard, who started a religion so he wouldn't have to go to therapy because he didn't like psychology. Well, they also rejected his psychological yeah. thingy. Yeah. I, I, one of the things he quipped was uh, he called Scientologists the creationists of mental health. <laughs> <laughs> like it. Yeah. Yeah. Mental health deniers. Um, and another neat point that he got to on his talk about um, is, is kind of a broad idea about all skepticism, is that on one end of the continuum, off to the left, you have deniers... On one end of the continuum all the way to the right, you have the true believers. Uh. And in the middle, you have the skeptics. But depending on where you are on that continuum, you see everybody else who's to the right of you as true believers, no matter what they believe, and everybody to the left of you, you see as deniers. So to the deniers, the skeptics are seen as true believers. Right. Because they still think there's something to it. They call them Yeah, to the true believers, the skeptics are deniers. And that's what often can cause a lot of conflict, uh, which is makes it problematic to have actual rational discussions about actual weaknesses or strengths of various fields, including psychology and evolution research and all that, without people saying, oh, well, you're just a n- denier because they believe slightly differently. Right, or it's a religion to yep. you. I don't think I'd do that. But it's it's a natural inclination, is what he was talking about, that a lot of people do. Except for you, David. <laughs> Damn skeptics. <laughs> but generally, we're also just caught in the middle and have to try to be fair, and that's not always sexy. Speaking of sexy... Speaking of yourself. <laughs> um, after Steve Novella's talk, 
one of the criticisms a lot of people had about the schedule is, especially on Sunday, there was one hour for lunch. And with no, like, set-up buffet, you had to go to the hotel uh, restaurants. And sometimes they have a half an hour wait just to get uh, in. Uh, so a bunch of us just went down and got hot dogs at the hot dog cart <laughs> because that's all we could get in time. Mm, and the, the thing that kind of bothered me at a philosophical level is they had the diversity panel where they talk about why can't we get more people who are not traditional white male... Yeah. Older white male, right. Older white male skeptics. Why can't we get them into skepticism? And my first thought was, because you keep scheduling the diversity panels after a one-hour lunch on Sunday afternoon! <laughs> That's why you can't get people in. Is it the responsibility of white guys to get other people in? To a certain extent, yes, in that this year the JREF made a conscious effort to make sure that the number of women on the on the stage was balanced, and that's something they kind of had to work at to make sure happened. And to, I can understand that from the yeah. action kind of. I, I understand that, but if you look at, like, statistically speaking, the women are a minority, so to be right. actually balanced, you know. <laughs> but... Actually, and, and they, this is not to say that they I mentioned this several times. Forty percent of the people at TAM this year were female. Really? Yes. Right on. So it was a good mix of male and female. More women is always good. Yes, and there were, it was there were not just a few token <laughs> people of color. We had it was a majority Anglo-Saxon, but there were plenty of Latinos, African Americans, Asian. Etc. 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 Right. Well, I was um, just throwing that out as a question. No, no, no it, it does make sense. You know, kind of, how do you do this without feeling like you're just bringing token people on the stage? Mm-hmm. Um, and the and you know the good thing about this diversity panel is um, it had Greta Christina, DJ Grothy, Debbie Goddard, Jamila Bay, Hemet Mehta, and Desiree Shell. Um, Desiree was the moderator. None of those were straight white males. Huh. DJ came close because he's 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 white and male, but he's not straight. <laughs> so he was okay to be on the diversity panel. Um, but that it was easy so for was them to get. Yeah. I don't think none of us would be invited to the now, interesting It was easy for them to get a nice big panel of males. diverse yeah. people. But it was, it was the diversity panel was an interesting discussion and a lot of it went along the lines of DJ Grothy kind of arguing with the rest of the panel in a friendly way about how how much of skepticism to center on social issues like, you know, gay rights, women's rights, um, that sort of thing, where at the same time, you know, DJ was arguing mainly that, I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, that the skeptical movement as a whole has to stay on the message of critical thinking as a whole... I agree with that because the social social issues only come up or should only come up in the, quote, skeptical movement when they're using pseudoscience against it. Right, when they're testable claims. We should be considering that when we talk about the podcast. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, and and that's what was really brought up. When we can comment on it, let's comment on it. But I think part of the issue is everybody else was saying the problem is we're not. Uh, and I, I disagree with that. Yeah. I think they're they're incorrect about that. But but yeah, there's we, a lot we're of not talking about social issues. That that's what he's saying. We're not talking about what? I'm sorry. Social, social issues, issues, yes. But we're the question is, 
But I think he was he was coming from the point of view of a national organization leader who can't make he, he kind of like make a fiat decision to say this is what our position is on this. But it, it, we it, we will all follow this now. But I think it's fairly obvious as a skeptic group what that is, and that is everybody has rights. Yeah. So all of this when someone comes out and says you know we need to you know gays shouldn't marry. Well, obviously that's that is not so. I mean, it's a fairly straightforward, whether you're conservative or liberal as a skeptic, it's, it's a human right. Right. And so it's equal, equal treatment of all people. I think the big so, example he was using was yeah. abortion, which is something that oh, that's even people yeah. on the liberal side can convincibly and reasonably argue that they think abortion is a bad thing. Yeah. That's so true. that's kind of where the back and forth went on. This and it was true. a fascinating panel. And when you can find it online, go look at it. Exactly. <laughs> All right. What else we yeah. got? We have Jennifer Ouellette, who talked about uh, how Which, our views okay. on space and science have changed over the years. <laughs> and then uh, the last official speaker was Sean Faircloth, who's the um, executive director of Americans for Separation of Church and State, I think. Uh, I, yes. Okay. okay. Um <laughs> Talked about the attack of the three theocrats and the the goal of the secular coalition to start secular coalitions in each state and really to make sure there's more lobbying and all that. Um, and then finally, there was some closing remarks by James Randi and DJ Grothy, which I had to walk out on to get onto my <laughs> shuttle <laughs> to the airport. Which, so, so are you recording as you're walking out? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so you'll see me kind of... You know, bouncing along with with a recorder. Nice. Um, and uh, you know, it was it was kind of neat. Even on the shuttle to the airport, there was um, uh, Rachel, uh, Doctor Rachie, Rachel Dr. Dunlop, Rachie Dunlop, yeah. Um, and the other Australian, uh, Richard Saunders, yeah. in front of me. Hemet Mehta was a few seats back. <laughs> um, and just people from all like, roles of skepticism. Rock the bus. Yeah, we were all, we filled the the bus by ourselves. So nice. we get to the airport. It's really neat, you know. Okay, Tam's over. Get in. Get my my flight passes and right. go to sit by the gate. You know, I got another hour to wait. And about ten minutes later, someone walks up and sits out to me, and she's wearing a Tam T-shirt. I'm like, Hey, I'm from Tam too. So we talked for another hour. Or so, nice. so Tam didn't have to end to me uh, with me until I got on the plane. Yeah, cool. Right. So on. I don't know if we're gonna be able to use any of this because it's really really long and i don't know how fascinating it is but maybe well, we'll... I'll, I'll i'll i'm just gonna throw it up there okay. and let people scan through so yeah so i mean at least some of this was the stuff we're gonna actually use for the real podcast right um, all right let's but it was all right, fun. so there it is uh thank you for listening and i hope you guys, Gary and David, get to make it to TAM next year. And anybody else who's listening, just go. It's a lot of fun. Go, damn it. Yep. And see you all next time. Cheers. The Skeptic Wire podcast theme music is by Oscar Lawn with guest mandolin by Greg Perrine. If you've enjoyed listening to The Skeptic Wire, leave a review on iTunes or leave us a voice message via the PodPosted app for iPhone. Friend us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at The Skeptic Wire. Follow our blog at skepticwire.blogspot.com or send us an email, skepticwire at gmail.com. You've been listening to The Skeptic Wire. 